Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Millennial Money. Today, we're going to talk about the Fed and firing Jerome Powell, which basically means we get to talk about whatever we want, including real estate stocks, inflation, bad stocks to avoid like Tattooed Chef, good stocks to buy like anything else, and, you know, whatever we want to talk about. So who wants to start? I want to start, Kevin. Have you seen the chef, you little shorty? It's going good. It's going really good. It's cooking, baby. It's cooking. I think you mean going well. I saw you you paid some people in Wall Street bets to start pumping, huh? Hey, we're live. You're not supposed to say that. (laughs) What the heck, man? (laughs) Don't die bold. Oh, man. Yeah, man. They're they're heating back up. Uh, But anyways, you know, we got a lot of cauliflower over here. Maybe someday you'll be able to afford cauliflower, Kevin, but we'll see. You know, it must it must be nice to have a stock that just goes from 16 to 23, 16 to 23. <laughs> you know, because then you can make videos. Oh, no, it went down. Yay, it went up. Oh, Kevin, you've gone too far. <laughs> yeah. why, don't, why doesn't somebody else take it from here? Andre, do you have something constructive to say? Listen, one day it's going to hit 24, oh, okay? What <laughs> Hey, I actually want to hear this this Wall Street bets thing. What happened, Jeremy? They started talking about it. Yeah, I mean, they have. And I have a friend who's convinced that some of the folks in Wall Street bets are actually hedge funds or uh, more professional investors. Because I will say sometimes these these theses they have around like, you know, the implied volatility on this and da, da, da. I mean, they start talking so complicated. It's like, you know. It's hard to even understand some of some of the things they're kind of going through. But essentially, uh, it, Tattoo Chef is getting more popular on there. There was a very popular post that has like, I think, 600 upvotes or something like that now around uh, the stock basically skyrocketing over the next few weeks. So, you know, I, I don't I, I'm not going to explain it in detail because I'm probably not the best to do that because I'm not a trader. And it's more around trading stuff rather than investing. So this isn't like talking about the there. revenue growth. There we go. Check yeah, it out. let's see it. Up here is a tightly wound time bomb, Tattooed Chef, a wildly asymmetric bet with an options IV that is drastically underpricing the risk of trapped shorts. Okay, Uh, so uh, quick summary below on TTCF. Uh, outstanding revenue growth up 52% year over year. Yeah, I mean, when you go from $1 to $1.50, you know, okay. Uh, short borrow rate spike to, uh, to 300% from 200% short interest at 61%. I don't know about that, but okay. Uh, actionable float at the 37% of entire float. Uh, fail to deliver. Panic resets the clock. Are rampant. Float constrained to 24 mil. So basically they're saying there's not a lot of the stock. It's got a higher short interest. It is a SPAC, which SPACs have been shorted like crazy over the past you know six months, which this is true. Uh, and uh, the fundamentals they gave was basically a 50% year-over-year revenue growth. So really, like like Jeremy no, said, no. this is not a fundamentals. This is just yeah. trading. Oh, no, go down a bit. It gets good, man. The what part is one, this? Part three, part three, part four. Hold on. That's where, that's where it gets crazy. What's this? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Short bear. Let's reset the clock. Crooked dealer. That'll work great till the exit strategy. Closer look. You do have an exit strategy. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. Tattooed chef creates sustainable vegetarian food. Okay, whatever. We know this yeah. CEO part, is a cool dude too. Part two is okay. where it gets good or crazy. Uh huh. Jeremy, you okay, really gotta so cover this. <laughs> Jeez, man. Who writes That's, this? I know. So he's okay. Massive shorts constrained. So uh, float 40 mil, institutions 15.6, short interest 15 mil per ortex, trading float. Uh, okay, now kind of short shares. Interesting. Uh, TTC have peculiar because every case of a spiked 100%. Yeah, they've got a lot of they've they've done some real interesting uh, research here. I'm gonna pull up the Bloomberg terminal and fact check in just a minute here, but uh, yeah, they're using Ortex right here and trying to correlate these patterns between obviously short interest going up uh, and institutional ownership of these shares going up, uh, making for less short uh, available or shares available. And uh, in other words, I think they're trying to set up a squeeze here. I do wonder how much you have institutional investors getting in on this stuff. I think you're right, uh, Jeremy. Yeah, I mean, it looks, uh, I mean, that, that's intense, man. That's all I'm going to say about that. And I'm, I'm no trader, so a lot of the stuff just goes over my head. But it is, uh, you know. Jeremy, what if you get I, short squeeze to like $100? What are you going to do? Are you going to sell or are you just going to oh, ride the no, wave? I mean, a hundred. Yeah, I would probably have to sell. If it was to double, I likely wouldn't. Like, let's say the stock goes to forty tomorrow, forty-four right. or whatever. No, but a hundred. Oh shoot, man! You right. know, <laughs> that's a little yeah, different. But this was posted 5X. yesterday. When did this mm -hmm. get popular? Uh, I think in the last twenty-four hours. So, okay. a friend sent me it late last night, and I think at that time it hadn't even been up for a day, roughly. So that's interesting. This but, is really anyway. detailed. I am shocked. Who writes that? Not me. But, well, watch it's like Elon. Yeah, but, but here's the thing, though. Couldn't hypothetically someone with Tattooed Chef do something like that to try to boost the stock's price? And, and once it gains meme status, just think of what happened yeah. with AMC and GameStop. I mean, they were able to raise so much money by the stock going up. Uh, it, it got a lot of popularity. They raised a whole bunch of cash. Who's to say that can't just catch on with other stocks and other companies who are just like, hey, let's let's become a meme. Right. It's it's tough to make that happen, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like those are very, very rare situations there. And you needed the whole communities to get behind it. So not necessarily. Um, you could just use bots, upvote it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm guessing Reddit's probably pretty good about detecting that, I would assume. Um, I don't think so. I don't know. Mm. I, I, I I've see seen so it a lot. Posts, yeah, where it's like, that's got to be an advertisement for like a new upcoming TV show. There's no way it's, Ooh, yeah. Believe it or not, they used to happen a lot in the cryptocurrency subreddit with Bitcoin. There was a huge amount of bots upvoting and downvoting certain threads just for that reason. Ooh, in the, in the crypto, there's a crypto one, uh, Andre? Yeah, cryptocurrency Ooh. subreddit. Mm-hmm. Okay. By the way, are those are those super popular in terms of like trying to trying to basically just pump new coins and stuff? Yeah, hugely popular. I I don't know how many cryptocurrency has, but I think it has several million followers in that subreddit. Jeez! Yeah. Wow, that's that's approaching the uh, then that's the biggest one on Reddit. Uh, I think so. Let me check. Yeah, three point four million members. That's a lot. 
Mm. Is there so there's no Wall Street bets yet for crypto though, huh? Uh, you know what? I bet there is. I haven't. I don't. I don't know it. <laughs> Super like Stonk is like an alternative it. to Wall Street bets. I don't know if you follow that one. Super Stonk is crazy. It's like on fire. What is that one about? That one is similar to Wall Street bets. Essentially the same kind of DD. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of memes. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, you definitely want to check it out. Super Stonk. Mm. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have to check that one out. So what do you think, Kevin? You think uh, this chef's about to go on a crazy run and you think it's just going to go back down to 18 bucks again? I mean, look, I think it's a $20 stock. But uh, I also think that it's been a lot harder for momentum stocks to actually move and then stick. Uh, like, uh, it, it feels like the momentum cycle is a lot shorter. Like last week we saw, for example, short dot, or support.com, right? Support.com went up to like $59.00. And uh, it, it went up in pre-market. Usually when you see that kind of pre-market move, it's all just retail. Let me see if I can pull it up here. And uh, I remember in that pre-market, I was looking at it like this is not sustainable. I, and I said on my live stream uh, that I thought this there was no way it was going to hold on to these gains through the end of the day. This is the hour candlestick here. So you saw it run during the day. Uh, and then the last two hours gave up on it. $59 was what's its high. Now it's at like $31. And it's kind of just doing that slow kind of bleed out that, that you start seeing in these mm -hmm. momentum stocks. Uh, I'm seeing this cycle happen faster and faster now. I think there's more impatience. Like people are taking their, their profits faster on these. And uh, I think that makes it a little harder for something to become a momentum stock. Whereas with like GME and AMC... When you became a momentum stock, you were you were the thing for like a month. You know what I mean? Like you mm. were embedded as a momentum stock, uh, as opposed to support.com, which is here today, gone tomorrow, or like Meta Materials. It's it's here for a week and then it's gone. Nobody cares. Newegg was a thing for like three days, then it's gone, right? So I feel like that time frame has really compressed. I think it is possible that you could take something like Tattooed Chef and run it, but I think it would be very short lived. So I think if you looked at your tattooed chef and you're like, oh man, it's at 40, dude, I, I would not be greedy about but it at all. I'd be out of don't think a, You don't think a short-lived momentum is more of a sign of a hedge fund or, or not retail money? Just because I feel like retail money would be more long, long-term narratives, right? Like GameStop and it's, I feel um, like a little bit more longer term. Yeah, I mean, I think GameStop and AMC are almost like cultural uh, stocks that, that are like embedded into investing uh now it, it like when you when you walk around and or like when i meet people uh even as part of the campaign who say like hey i follow you on youtube uh you know those those that do follow me youtube uh usually it's it's let me say it this way it's not uncommon for there to be some kind of gamestop or amc reference like oh you you still in gamec or, or whatever right but you don't get that with with some of the other ones like oh you still in new egg like nobody cares like those aren't embedded into the fabric of 2021's investing psyche right uh no, and, no. and i don't think tattooed chef would either and, and i just want to be clear that's not to say i don't think it'll run i just don't think it, it's going to have that cultural movement now it's yeah. also worth noting that i just pulled up uh here the bloomberg black app and and i don't see what they're seeing now this is s3 partners does this data and i'm only at 24.3 percent short as a percentage of float here so uh you know i'll pull up ortex as well but 
you know, I, I get very skeptical when people put data and stuff on Redfin. And I'd like to fact check this stuff because I've just seen people put bull crap up too many times before. Mm. Yeah, definitely read back through the word choice because I know in there they didn't say uh, the overall percentage of float. They said they used some other word choice around float that I'm not familiar with because once again, I'm not a trader. But just, I'll pull that up again. Yeah. But anyways, in, in regards to Shaft, the, the thing that's a little different there versus a lot of other stocks is you've got such a loyal, long-term investor community built in that stock. People like myself, right, that have, you know, six, seven plus figures in it that it doesn't matter. The stock could go up 50% tomorrow. We're not selling. And that's kind of a little similar. Well, you should. To like, uh, you know, that's, <laughs> just, that's what people told me uh, when, when Tesla went up its first 50%. You know what I mean? Like if TTCF a- ain't no Tesla. It's not, it ain't no Tesla, but guess what? You know, Tesla rose so dang quick because you had a huge long-term investor community in that stock that wasn't willing to sell. And then you had the shorts that keep, you know, they kept needing to cover. They kept having to buy up shares. And a lot of the longs just like, I'm not selling. Like, I don't care Mm -hmm. if it goes up another 50%, right? And so I think you got a very similar community in the chef that's actually in that for the long-term versus some of these other stocks that just don't have that. They don't have Wait, those long-term bases. Jeremy, yeah. sorry if I missed it. Where's the Tattooed Chef community? I don't think I've heard of it or seen it. Is it like on Reddit or? Oh, it's on Comment my Comment section you haven't seen it? on Jeremy's videos. <laughs> you haven't seen it? Okay. Got it. <laughs> I wasn't it's, sure. It's my entire channel. Is the chef community, okay? Kind of like okay. how my community was all Tesla back when Kevin wasn't even a bull on Tesla and he used to dog the stock. <laughs> I don't know about that. Oh, uh, yeah, I so, know about that. Uh, estimated short interest as a percentage of free float. So it's at 38.33 is, is what Ortex is showing. And Ortex and the Black App, they they each do their own estimates. So 24% here. Uh, going back to here, we're at 38.33%. What people like to look at, though, is utilization over here. Just all the shares are, are, are borrowed or u- utilized uh, and your cost to borrow because of that is up substantially. I mean, it's up double what it was seven days ago. You're paying 57%. How is there uh, such a huge discrepancy between the float of the two different uh, softwares? Well, because we only get, let me, let me find out exactly when it was last actually reported, but we only get exchange reported uh, short data every like two weeks. And in between, you have companies that try to, they, they read whatever sticks they look at, whatever data they look at, and then they try to put together an estimate. Like, well, we think it's here now, or we think it's here now. They're often very wrong. <laughs> so it's, it's all kind of a crapshoot sometimes. But what I look for is if they're all inflecting in the same direction, like up, then, and they agree with each other in direction, that's, that's often good. Jeez. It's like trying to predict the weather. It's so hard. I don't understand how people well, use this data that lives is like so short lived for like a day. Yeah, that's that's why people call for more transparency in this, you know, stock market. <laughs> in. Yeah, and if you read through a lot of that post, um, you know, if you get into the details of that post they made there, they're basically saying what uh, is going on there is straight up illegal, according to the SEC. And they keep calling them uh-huh. crook brokers between the brokers and the short sellers. Um, and they kind of get into detail there uh, about it. So interesting, um, you know. Who knows? Speaking, what of, speaking, speaking of interesting, of Kevin, did you uh, sue CNN? 
you got to tell us that story. Oh, yeah, let me let me give this piece of data here really quick, and then I'll gladly hit that. So right. worth noting here on Bloomberg, percentage of short interest, twenty almost 29% on the Bloomberg. But this was reported as of August 13th. So you can see it's two weeks of dated, right? Uh, S3 does give it a score of 88 of a short squeeze per, per potential, which which is pretty high. So it, it definitely has that potential there. But I just haven't been seeing short squeezes go go so nuts recently. So, hey, you know, mm. hopefully it works out. You buy some call options. It, it, maybe it's worthy of the roulette wheel placement, right? Uh, so, yeah, CNN, um, they literally ran an article saying there are no Democrats competing against the governor. And I'm like, um, hello, have you not seen us like – on the debate stage, which had our debate last week, uh, you know, on the Associated Press, Washington Post, Times, you name it. We've been in all the publications, right? Kevin, uh, by the way, yeah. you did amazing in that debate. Yes, you I got to say. Yeah, you so were on fire, man. I mean, if you were only that good on Millennial Money, we might have a good channel. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you. <laughs> Unfortunately, the, the the people you got to talk with are a little a little uh, smarter on here versus who you're on the stage with. That night. you know what? We need a moderator. That's a good we one. Somebody in the uh, yeah. Moderator. Well, thank you for that. That was that's what we call a backhanded compliment, yeah. by the way. That's a nag. All right, Kevin, your response. Ah, uh, well, hey, you know, I I, I uh, look, I. I think you guys are brilliant compared to uh, the, some of the other competitors. So I'll be very transparent about that. I'd rather rather have a debate with any of you guys any day of the week. Uh, so, but yeah, look, you know, we sent them a cease and desist letter. And then rather than mention us, they, they changed the article right after they got it from uh, there are no Democrats competing against the governor to there are no party back Democrats. And it's like, oh, they're literally going out no. of their way. Yeah. Not to mention oh us. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and you know what it is? It's look, here's, here's what's really happening. You have the, the, uh, uh the left, which is, we just want to brand the whole election in California as a Trumpian takeover. And on the right, you've got Larry Elder, who's the perfect image for for the democrats to use because they're like look here are pictures of larry elder with uh donald trump here are things he said about women whether it's true or not here are things about race or the minimum wage or whatever and it's all these things that make him seem like he's to the right of trump and so it's the perfect battle for cnn and fox to fight each other so you basically just have a war of media you got the gavin newsom camp on the left and the cnn's and you got the Fox News with the with the Trumpian extreme. And so they're going at it for views because that's where the views are. Because when you put these two extremes together, it's like putting uh, – what do you put in? Like uh, a baking soda and vinegar together. You know, it's like – right? And, and they make money off those fireworks. Then, then here's Kevin that's like, hey, I've got moderate solutions to help fix California. And they're like, get out of our volcano. We want destruction. You know what, Kevin? It also – it makes me think that they you almost have to play into that because it gets media exposure. I mean, you got to think, too, if, if CNN has your face on the front page is like, you know, Kev, me, Kevin just said this. I mean, at some point, exposure is exposure. Yes. And, and that's exactly how the politicians play. Uh, yeah. And it's actually exactly why things have gotten so politically divisive, because the politicians know if they say something crazy, they get media coverage. You know, they like AOC says 
uh, uh, Jerome Powell should be fired. Everybody's talking about it. You know, you, you get AOC going, well, you know, I mean, he's doing the best he could. Nobody's going to cover that crap, right? So then you get this, like, on the other side. That's AOC. On the other side, you get Madison Cawthorn, uh, the the uh, representative from North Carolina, famous for being in the wheel, uh, he's in wheelchair, and he stood up during, uh, I can't remember what it was, but there was some, I think the Republican National Convention or whatever last year stood up for it. it was, anyway, um, he uh, wanted to invoke, what was it, the 25th or 26th? I can't remember which one it is. I think it was the 25th Amendment. Uh, but basically calling the president incompetent during the Afghanistan crisis and, and encouraging him to be removed by Congress, right? Like that's the kind of stuff that gets media attention. So they want the fireworks, the explosion, the ins like the insanity. And then those are the people who get more media coverage. And then guess what happens? Those are the people who get elected. So we end up with this insane politicians. All right, so let's brainstorm some ideas about what you could say that's kind of crazy, but we'll get some media attention. Leave there the comments go. down below. Let us know what can Kevin say that's just going to get really crazy attention. You know what I was thinking? I think if they were really smart, they could really run with the story of like, oh, how dare they? A YouTuber trying to run for governor? Like, they could really play into that story. Like, a social media personality? Oh, my gosh. Here we go again. Who's next? Logan Paul? It's just, I, I feel like there's a story there that could definitely be exploited. I don't know what you want to say, but. Uh, Kevin, hey, you should, instead of the $1 million debate, it should have been like the $1 million wrestling match, the mud wrestling match. Boxing match. Yeah. Boxing match for sure. Boxing, yes. Definitely. $2 million boxing match. No, no, no. $1 million is good, but dude, definitely call it out with the boxing. Not Larry Elder, though. You don't <laughs> yeah, want to be. Yeah. You're against the elder abuse. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> I'm not into elder abuse. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. But it's true, though. You guys bring up a good point. You know, all that media coverage, you know, I I'm convinced that's one of the things that got Trump in office, man. He was yep. covered by the media like crazy, especially in the, you know, before the Republican National Convention. CNN would cover him all the time. Can you believe what Trump just said? Trump, Trump, Trump. Mm -hmm. They shoved him down everybody's throat so much and they made everybody, they tried to make everybody hate him. A group yep. ended up saying they love him, and then he ended up being the Republican, you know, representative. Then he ended up obviously winning the election. It's just, it's, it's crazy, man. Um, they, they do kind of want the circus, and it's, yep. it's unfortunate. They want the circus. Yep, yep. yep. And, and that's, that's the thing is, you, if you're, you're a moderate, it's like there's a reason why moderates don't you don't get in. What you got is you've got Bernie Sanders. Come on, he's not a moderate, you know. Yep. Uh, so it's just what you end up with. A hundred percent. And so what, what's all this Fed stuff about, Kevin? Can you break this down? I, I didn't get to see your video earlier today. Fed, AOC, what's what's that whole situation about? Yeah, so you've got, I mean, this is a this is a big culmination of a lot of things. First, you've got this disaster, obviously, of, of a lot of folks complaining about uh, inflation. Uh, and, uh, and, and so this has become a debate in Congress. Like inflation is becoming politicized. Uh, oh, we can't print more money because of inflation. But then on the other side, no, we have to. Uh, we, you know, because we have to take care of uh, our all of the social programs that we want to do and the big social infrastructure package. Uh, but uh, you know, whatever. You get these negotiations going. And so, really, what uh, happened today is uh, AOC uh, came out. She's a member of the Squad. Uh, very, uh, you know, they're, they're deemed to be either far left or very 
progressive, which I say that in air quotes because I think people can be progressive, <laughs> not be far left. But anyway, uh, you know, they, they, she came out and said, hey, we should have a different chairperson of the Federal Reserve. Biden should not renew Jerome Powell. Jerome Powell should be fired because Jerome Powell has not done enough for climate change and has not done enough for uh, economic and racial equality, uh, which I made a video about. And I said, you'll realize that's actually your job, AOC. It is your job to help people learn financial education in schools and to minimize or to give people equal opportunity, make sure people have equal opportunity. That's not Jerome Powell's job. Jerome Powell's job is, is maintaining our monetary system, uh, controlling interest rates, right? He's, he's the macro, the big umbrella, I, I refer to it as. So that, that was what my video was about. But I mean, that's... Um, that opens up this whole dialogue about uh, our Federal Reserve and basically firing the Fed. And, and uh, let's open it up to you guys. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm with you. I, the, the Fed has really gotten involved in so many other things besides just making sure the dollar is stable and that inflation's not too out of control. It's it, And it really does seem like they're pulled in so many directions. And, and now, like you said, inflation is politicized. So it's like, do we want to keep adding more money to the economy? Is that helping people? Is it boosting the markets? And it's uh, it's wild to watch this. Well, it's it's worth mentioning what, what you said there. Like, I kind of think of it almost like um, this funnel. And so Jerome's at the top printing money and the first layer, all the banks. And then you got like hedge funds and asset owners, like stock owners and real estate owners. And by the time it gets all the way to the bottom, it, there's there's a lot less of it left but yeah. then you start getting uh, it, it, like the impoverished communities that start benefiting because finally like home equity lines of credit come back and they can get lower interest rates on credit cards or whatever, right? This gives them an opportunity to build wealth. So the fear is, well, if you stop printing money too soon, the poorer folks might never have that opportunity to participate. But the Fed can't provide any money to the bottom without going through the top. But Congress can do that. <laughs> that. That's where you all of a sudden get into that discussion about, um, you know, uh, potentially the thousand dollars checks to, to folks every month. Right. That make under 50 K. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <sighs> well, you what's your like two cents, Andre? I just feel like something that's I mean, I don't know AOC personally, obviously, but it, it just feels like that's something politicians say all the time because of how how complex the economy and the government system is. It's just one of those things that I, I see how beneficial it could be for her to say something like that. Because of course people are gonna agree. Of course they're gonna be like, yeah, totally. We should be helping the little guy and, and we should, but that's not Jerome Powell's job. But I just, I just don't think people know enough about the system and the processes that it just sounds like, of course, how could we disagree with that? Like everyone agrees, but that, that's not how you do it. And so it just seems like that's something you would say if you're trying to play into the crowd. And I don't know. Got to get right more word AOC is. votes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that seems kind of yeah. like what that is. Oh, Andre, your feed's been cutting out a little bit here and here and there. I just want to make sure uh, I fact check this. It sounded like you said um, you're close friends with AOC. That's correct, right? Yes. Just want to get that best, friend. best friends. <laughs> you got to see eye to eye on everything. Everything. 100%. Everything. <laughs> Everybody's got dirt on all those. 
That's right. So that's what the dungeon's for in your new house. Hey, hey, that's not what it's for. It serves a different purpose. <laughs> that's for different like Pokemon kind of cards. Show us your pokies, <laughs> Andre. Show us some. Hey, hey, hey. So, so I, I, this weekend, I bought these, which are uh, a stack of 16. Kevin's like, oh, God, here we go. Another, another car. <laughs> there it is. All right. So, 16 base. Alakazam. All right, so check this out. This is a PSA 10 shadowless. You see how there's no shadow? There's no border right here. Yeah. Can you guys, is it in focus? I can't. There it is. Yeah. So there okay, so that's one of them. Here's another one. This card right now on eBay is going for forty thousand dollars. Asking. Uh, asking. Yeah, it didn't sell for that. It's just being asked for that. This card right here is the most valuable and the rarest, actually, not the most valuable, the rarest in quantity out of this whole stack and probably out of the entire Pokemon base set collection, which is Chansey. There's only 15 of these in the world. So uh, this one is going on eBay for 50K. Not oh, so it was 15. I mean, that's like 50. how many investors Tattooed Chef has. <laughs> 50, Kevin? five zero. This Kevin? is the Holy Grail. Hey, hey, this is the Holy Grail right here. Do you guys know who this is? It's the Fire Lizard. Is that, what uh, is that Pikachu? What's up? Is that Pikachu? <laughs> I'm kidding. God, <laughs> I realize that people that are listening to this, they're like, what are they talking about? So <laughs> anyway, this card right here alone sold last for $105,000. Oh, my God. Independently. This card right here. So, Kevin, you would never do something like that. Kevin's uh, like, no, I'm probably private. And Why? <laughs> is it because you're just not I, into Pokemon I, cards, or it's just you wouldn't want to Kevin, spend that much? Kevin I like cheap 3D-printed toys, like scimitars and hammers, you know? Just like, that's what I like, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's hilarious that every one of us has our own, like, frugal habits about everything that we find ridiculous in whatever each of us buys. But then we go off and, like, we buy, a, like, in Graham's case, a, a Ford GT or whatever. Jeremy's case, a tattooed chef. You know, things like that. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy's just a collector of it. He's going to hold yeah. it. He's going to corner them the whole market. <laughs> Oh man, I might own the whole the whole company soon. That's sick though, Andre. Quick question. So the Charizard yeah. you were just saying, hundred and five thousand dollars, I believe. Yes. How mm. much for a PSA ten uh Charizard? Uh a first edition, non-shadow so, yeah. first edition. So yeah, the only difference between mine and the one that Jeremy's talking about is it has a first edition stamp, and that last sold for three hundred eighty thousand dollars. And that's yeah. not but, even shadowless, right? It is shadowless. The first edition one is, but this one is more rare than that other one I I just mentioned. Oh, um, yeah, it's it's crazy. So this set, by the way, I found after we did our last week's Millennial Money podcast. After that one, like as soon as we logged off, I was like on eBay, and I was like, guys, check this out. This is so cool. And then I asked every one of you, should I do it? And I'm like, I don't know. And Graham's like, I like it. So I, like I know Graham it. approves. Graham approves. Yeah. So that's I told Andre, I told Andre that if he wants to sell it, I would pay the same price that he paid for it. No, okay. Graham was over at our house last uh, yesterday, I think, and he's like, Andre, how much you want to sell this set for? He's like, <laughs> he's like, would you sell it for 
you know, $5,000 over what I paid for it. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. He's like, really? <laughs> he was like right into it. <laughs> it's good. I like, I honestly, I like the set. And I think, uh, I think it'll be worth one day, half a million bucks. Easily. Yeah. In three to five years, I think maybe sooner. Yeah. Hey, if a rock, if an NFT picture of a rock sold for $1.2 million, did you guys see that? Yes. By the way, I also want to correct myself. I think last week I said one of the things that held me back from buying more NFTs was usability and utility uh, last week. So I just want to correct myself for saying that for Steve Aoki's NFTs, because that's the one I had. He actually has a whole tier and a structure of like, depending on how much stuff you own, like a, like a point tier list. And depending on how many points you have, you get different perks. So like that 100 points or whatever it is, you get to go to his concerts for free. You get to meet him. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah, so, Blau. Blau was the one who did that uh, a few months ago. He he NFT'd his entire new album. And gosh, how much did he end up getting for that? Like $11 million? It was like $10 million, Or it was like $8 million yeah. he got for his album. Yeah. And uh, whoever buys that gets uh, gets rights to his music. They get other perks. They could get uh, concert tickets. I think there are a lot of a uh, lot of things that you could do with NFTs. So but on the other hand, you have the twelve-year-old who just made four hundred thousand dollars selling an NFT of a pixelated whale. He was twelve years old. He spent two hundred dollars just making this thing at four hundred grand. Wait, how did a twelve-year-old spend four hundred dollars? That is that doesn't two hundred dollars. No, two hundred dollars. No, he spent two hundred bucks. He created a whale NFT and uh, made four hundred grand. Okay, so here's what I was thinking. I was thinking of maybe potentially not now, maybe, but if somebody who is good at doing this, imagine creating an NFT token set for this. So you could attach this as the fundamental sort of asset that it's attached to. You could trade the NFT tokens, or you can claim them for perks or whatever it is, or you can. I think it's pretty cool. It's basically fractional ownership with a utility twist to it. Kevin's like, what? I think this is <laughs> no, I think, no. I, I get what you're saying. It's 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 an easy way to uh, uh, transact uh, interest in in something. I mean, you could do that with real estate in theory. You know, you tokenize real estate. It's it's no different than just owning a percentage uh, of yeah. of the property, but it then becomes. Uh, the coin is essentially just a representation of your ownership uh, in in a house or in in whatever this product is that you're holding there. Or heck, you know, I bought so many 3D printed products from this guy. He sent me a whole axe with Meet Kevin on oh. it. You know, so <laughs> like, That's like uh, hey, maybe we can NFT this axe and do that. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I I know what you mean. I still think yeah. it's stupid. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think it's awesome. I think it's a cool idea. I think this no, is no, I, like your I cards. I like your cards a lot more than the whole NFT stuff. I think the NFT stuff is moronic. Give me and, a reason why you don't like it. Give me a reason why it's a dumb idea. Well, spe specifically because a lot of the people who are uh, creating these values have vested interests in NFTs being successful. Logan Paul buys NFTs, but he's also selling NFTs that he creates, right? Uh, you've mm -hmm. got Visa uh, bestowing, like we talked about this last week, right? Visa buys an NFT, uh, but they're also trying to be the payment processor for NFT transactions. So it's just, it, it's it's all a lie in my Wait, opinion. Wait, how is that I different than buying any other thing. asset? Yeah, well, for anything, real estate. Oh, of that course you're mean, buying real estate because you want to resell it later. Oh, how dare also, you? Kevin, I think you would have said the same thing about Bitcoin, as would I, four years ago. 
Maybe. Right. Yeah. Right, that, leads, that, that. Hey, that leads us to a good thing. Okay. Let, let's talk about this for a moment. Okay. We got people spending fortunes on Pokemon cards. We got people spending fortunes on NFTs. We got people spending, you know, $10 billion or whatever market caps are on cryptos now, right? That a lot of them aren't doing literally anything. And um, is this a sign that we're in a bubble time right now? How much pretty much useless stuff is trading at ridiculous uh, yeah. valuations and people are willing to just spend whatever on it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's definitely true. concerning when people have so much money that they're like, what can I spend it on right now? Cause yes. it's sitting in a bank account earning nothing. Where can I put it? It's certainly concerning. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, and it's not like a discussion around like, where's the safest place I can put it or the place that I'm, I'm going to get 5% a year or 10% a year. It's like, what could go, what, what can three X the best over the next three years? But so sometimes yeah. I wonder, though, is that as a result of just having purely too much money or just a shift in how millennials invest in that maybe because millennials feel so disenfranchised by the hand that they were dealt, maybe their mentality of investing is completely different than what the previous generation was, which is being completely content with seven to 10 percent per year. And maybe for millennials, it's like, hey, I feel like I'm behind because literally every research number says that I am instead of doing this get rich slow method. I'm just going to gamble my money in whatever it might be. You know what I think it was? I think this last year was such an anomaly. I think just people had a lot of time at home. Uh, they weren't working. We had uh, a lot of money enter the economy. And I think people took to the stock market. And just I think the returns that we've seen over the last year have a really distorted view on what it's like to invest. And I just think a lot of people have this expectation now that if they're not earning 30 to 50% a year, they're not doing well. So yeah. it's gonna be yeah. interesting. One of two things is gonna happen. Either we're gonna top out at a certain point and just remain flat and people are gonna get bored and they're gonna they're just gonna keep playing riskier and riskier plays or, uh, or there could be a drop and a lot of people just be like, oh, you know what, I'm out. This is a scam. Stock market's rigged. So it's gonna be one or the other. I, w I wouldn't be surprised if we if we tend just to trade flat for a little bit. I think that would shake out a lot of the people who are just impatient. Well, yeah, because anybody with call options is going to get burned. Uh, you know, going to get toasted. So that's why Jeremy's well, got to be careful. But you know, well, what's interesting with NFTs, you guys remember they kind of died off, right? So yeah. NFTs are making a huge comeback again. So I'm I'm wondering if we're going sure. into that again yeah. momentum type of investing. Where I, I completely agree with Graham, it, we do have a distorted perception of what traditional investment returns should look like. But you know, in in some in some way, I do wonder if it's just a millennial perspective and a mindset. Ha! Yeah, yeah. The trend on on NFT searches right now is just very interesting because it's it's basically what you said, Andre. You know, you've got you had this run in like February, March. And uh, and now you're getting this sort of run again over here on NFTs. That would, but but here's the thing: from March until now, it's not that long. I mean, we went through a time of maybe two months where people were like, "And eh, those NFTs, we're just not interested in them anymore." So yeah, that's true. I think that's barely any time. Fine, but this was also during the crypto dip. Remember, crypto kind of peaked around yeah. uh, April twelfth or whatever, and May twelfth or something. So it's almost kind of like. It was associated with the rise in crypto prices because this was also, you know, when crypto prices were at peak 
And now crypto prices are rising again. So I wonder if the correlation. It, oh, for sure. The, the, only, the only positive thing I, I will say about it is, you know, at least that, as bad as it sounds, at least that money is not necessarily flowing into stocks, right? So let's say the guy has an extra million dollars. He wants to buy an NFT rather than put it in uh, the stock market. Well, at least it's not coming in the stock market to make stocks even more overvalued because we know as far as large caps go, large caps or are, are valuations are already super high. Um, the, the deals are in the small caps. But, you know, if all that money had been in the stock market, then it's, it would overprice big tech even more. Right. And um, there probably wouldn't be many opportunities in, in small caps. So uh, right. I mean, or in real estate, let's imagine everybody was just trying to buy real estate right now. The guy, you know, let's say Andre with the hundred, you know, or whatever you paid for the, the Pokemon cards. I know it was listed for a quarter mil. Let's say instead you were like, I'm going to put a, buy a quarter mil house in, I don't know, North, North Las Vegas or Las Vegas, right? That just jacks real estate market up even more, right? You take another house off the market, you might have had a bid against that person. So um, I guess that's the only positive maybe we can find in this situation. Do you think, Jeremy, that this, um, I guess, this phase that we're in, is it just a phase or do you think it's maybe a kind of a beginning of a long term trend of, of people just kind of seeking these higher risk opportunities? I, I'm, I'm wondering, do you guys remember that study that uh, who, who was it? Warren Buffett said it, how we should expect returns to be closer to like three or four percent going forward. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know there was no way he could have predicted that, but I'm wondering if a part of what contributes to that is is this kind of mentality where it's like, I, I want to put my money into riskier assets. I think it's I think it, it won't come down until money starts to dry up and people get hurt. Right. Um, and all of a sudden lose a bunch of money, because if you you know, after you get hurt, like psychologically, just as a human, all of a sudden you're like, I don't want to do that again. That hurt bad. Right. You know what I mean? You, you ever had a really bad hangover? Not me because I don't drink. But you ever had a really bad hangover. Right. And you're like, you know, I don't want to drink again. That was so stupid. And then, uh, you know, a little time passes. And the next thing you know, you know, you're out partying again, and, you know, getting wasted. And and, uh, and then you're like, you know, have a bad hangover. You're like, I don't want to drink again. And then some time passes. That's kind of how it is in investing. Right. You yeah. get hurt really bad and then you go really safe and then as you have more and more success and that that pain gets further and further away you can invest riskier and riskier and riskier as time goes on right and so i think that's a little food for thought there and i think that's ultimately what happens that's a great point you know what it reminds me of uh like if you ever get pulled over right after you drive off you are driving so safe that rest of the way you're driving the speed yeah. limit give it a month you're back to normal <laughs> Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. In that same analogy, then what is the catalyst for getting pulled over? What do you guys think is going to hit the fan first? Cause I, th I think you're right. In retrospect, it's easy to be like, Oh my gosh, we, we should have seen it. Like JPEGs of rocks were selling for over a million dollars, but <laughs> like, <laughs> we could be looking back and like, that was a sign when a rock, when a virtual rock sells for 1.2 right. million, that's the, like how can you do right. that we're gonna look back at that rock that rock is gonna be the sign let's see how well this ages that was the inflection point as kevin likes to call it <laughs> I, I can already see graham's next video later this week nfts are easy money do this now yeah. five, five simple steps yeah. Oh, gosh. oh yeah it would be the infinite money glitch Oh yeah, yeah. The infinite, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, interest rates. I think rising interest rates at this point. That's the only thing that that I could see maybe affecting something. But yeah. it, but people have to run out of money too because right now there's so much on the sidelines that if we if we have a five percent dip, I guarantee everyone's like, all right, let me buy it. Uh, so at what point is it going to be where people are too afraid to buy that dip? Right now they're not afraid, and they have so much money to to keep you know, buying in and, you know, if it drops further, okay, I have more. So what's going to scare yeah. people off so that if, if it drops 5%, people are like, nope, I'm not investing because I think it's going to drop more. I, I would 100% agree with Graham, but I'd also add that I think crypto either like crashing or stable coins collapsing and then regulation, for some reason, I could see it being connected to the entire economy and maybe the government looking closer at other things and, and you know, corporations maybe being more compliant with, I don't know, environmentally friendly i don't know it could trigger some sort of an event that i could see you know crypto being that catalyst too so i would say interest rates in crypto i don't know what do you think yeah. jeremy the, the 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 other thing is is uh i think another reason why people aren't playing with much fear is they feel like papa fed's gonna be there papa pal you know what i mean like if things start to go south and you know this falls and that falls papa 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 uh, pal's gonna be there to save us right so, you know, that that's a factor there. By the way, Kevin, real, real quick, back to the, the whole, you know, uh, fire and Jerome Powell thing. Like, is that is that necessarily possible? How do you do that? Um, you know, and, and, and do they have somebody that like who's next to take Powell's place if, let's say, Powell got kicked out for whatever reason or he's just like, I'm done with you guys. I retire. Yeah, the, the president picks and, and the president has a choice to re uh, renom uh, Powell, essentially. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm pretty sure Powell, he came from the board. Oftentimes they graduate up from the board. So they're already in the fed, right? They're already in, in that, uh, network, but it's basically up to Biden right now. <laughs> I don't know what the date is though. Yeah. And, and what's Biden and, um, and, uh, Powell's relationship. Is it, is it pretty good? I know it could get rough with Trump. How, how's it with him? You know, I, think every I know I don't know but I think everyone's very happy with Powell right now in, in, in government I, with the I mean I think there are some tensions in Congress that come up in negotiations about inflation but I I don't think that the White House would want any or want to even risk any instability uh, in markets by trying to replace the Fed chairperson right now so you replace Powell it's like well who are you gonna get you know what if you get a Gensler type in there who starts uh going that's it we're banning payment for order flow, but except instead of payment for order flow, it's we're raising rights tomorrow, skipping the taper, right. you know, or you get a loose cannon or something like that, right? But like, he doesn't even that have would to create be a, a lot of cannon, uncertainty. Right? What? Sorry, he, he doesn't even have to be a loose cannon. Just that uncertainty by itself is like, oh, you got rid yes. of Powell? Who are you going to put in there? That's it. The, the beginning of Bingo. that could shake up markets. Yeah. Yep. I feel yep. like that's, that's they... exactly it. I feel like whoever they put as Fed chair, and I've watched them all since you know 2008, 2009. I feel like they're like the most stoic people. You can't get an emotional reaction out of those people. They like, you know, I feel like they probably just like give them a test, like slap them in the face like five times, and then if they have any sort of emotional reaction, like you can't be it. But if you don't, I mean, you you listen to each one of these, and they're just so stoic. You know, from from Powell to Yellen to uh, Bernanke. No, no emotion at all out of those folks. They just hire pilots and, and flight attendants. <laughs> <laughs> you can't shake those people. 
yeah, they're 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 just you know like you know just the 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 you know. But a- anywho, you know, people think pals might be the most exciting of the the recent ones. If if people are around to listen to yelling, oh man, you want to talk about putting you to sleep? Listen to Janet Yellen talk for two hours. Woo! And you know what? And she gets paid like five hundred grand to talk for an hour, two hours. Whoa! By the banks. Yeah, her speaking fees <laughs> are insane. How much did she make last year? I think it was like eight million dollars just from speaking. How no, much? That wasn't last year. That was in the last two years. Was it eight? I thought it was eight million. It was in the last wow. two years, though, not in the last year. Eight, eight million dollars? That's what Graham yeah. calls a bad month. Eight million. But she's that, speaking. Yeah. Eight million. That's what. Kevin's down on his Tesla options. I mean, I'm sorry, sorry, Kevin. Oh. I didn't mean that. that was low blow. I'm sorry. You, 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 you chose violence against me today, so I got to come back a little bit. Okay, so it's all right. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that is crazy. That's a lot of money that she makes. She whiz. I why uh, why would she make that much? Like. I don't know, but apparently she also has a stamp collection worth between fifteen and fifty thousand dollars. So it sounds like she's a collector too. Wow. Ah. So oh. I bet she I bet she has the equivalent of a first edition Charizard as a stamp. Stamps? Ah. Pieces of paper? Ah, oh, what an idiot. No, I'm just <laughs> Hey, I, I can relate, but hey, somebody should make an NFT set of like, you know, the crypto punks that we were talking about last time. But instead of crypto punks, it's just like talking head, like bobbleheads of people in government. That would be sick. I don't know. I would assume they would have that, right? Like, I don't know if you could use their likeness, though. Oh, you don't need permission. That's that's blockchain. Ah, great. There we go. (laughs) Just put it up there. (laughs) Oh, man. Come on. That'd be awesome. Well, hey, you bring up a good point, Andre, because... I will say the baby boomer generation and, and even the older generation, they would invest sometimes in some weird stuff like old tools, uh, stamps, like Kevin brought up their stamp collection. You know, they, they bought some weird stuff. You know, uh, let's be honest. Bottle caps. <laughs> yeah. Remember like old, old vintage, like Coca-Cola signs and stuff like that. Yeah. That, yeah. that was a thing. You know yep. what? We should talk uh, briefly. Speaking of all this, uh, you mentioned Gary. We should talk about um, Robinhood. Robinhood, yeah. Banned payment for order flow. Kevin, you want to mm. enlighten us on what's going on with that? I saw your video. <laughs> that was a great video. That's why. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I mean, look. So, uh, which, by the way, after it, I did a little more looking uh, around on Bloomberg, and what's crazy is uh, Robinhood makes money. It base it, one of the ways they make money. One of the main ways they make money is by uh, negotiating our trades with wholesalers known as market makers. And uh, the market makers give us a better price than the exchange. And then Robinhood and the market makers take a cut. And so they get to argue that 95% of the time we're better off anyway because they exist. But they also make money in the meantime. That's sort of the argument of the commission-free trading model. Gary Gensler says, hey, well, this is not as transparent as it should be. Maybe we need to re-envision this. Maybe that means, uh, and his quote was, 
banning something effective banning payment for order flow is on the table right that immediately led Robinhood obviously to sink as low as like eight percent yesterday it's recovered much of that since it's low yesterday because most people on Wall Street don't actually think payment for order flow is going to get banned uh, Robinhood only represented about 20 percent of payment for order flow in the month of June but I will tell you the big money they make with payment for order flow has actually lately been coming from options and crypto not just regular stock trading, options and crypto. That's when they're making a killing on these spreads. Uh, so uh, that's why they make it so easy to do options because that's where the money is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So speak yeah. Speaking Great. of that, did you guys see PayPal also is getting into trading potentially and uh, becoming a brokerage as well, which I thought was interesting because wow. you guys remember um, you guys remember Zeko, uh, Zeko Trading. This was like way back in 2012. There was a free a free stock trading app called Zeko, which was later rebranded to Trade King. Um, mm. And then Zeko, sorry, Zeko and Trade King merged to form uh, Ally Invest. They they rebranded to Ally Invest. And so it, it's interesting that that PayPal now wants to get into the game, and maybe they're trying to capitalize on Robinhood, you know, potentially getting banned from payment for order flow. And that would be interesting because they're kind of positioned to do you know stuff with crypto. Because they've obviously integrated Bitcoin, and so I, I could see PayPal, you know, taking a huge cut of, of Robinhood's revenue there. Everyone the wants to get into the stock brokerage game right now. That's what it seems yeah. like. A lot. If, listen, if PayPal gets in, then at some point probably Apple will get in. Uh, Google could create their own yeah. platform. Amazon could do Amazon trading. I mean, <laughs> at what point does it does it end? Right, but it's working. I mean, the thing is, if uh, if Google or Apple did their own platform, I mean, geez, how many people who are already integrated in the system? They already have everything on file, just as easy as like, oh, just you know, you shopped here today. I know the app that sort of app already exists, but you shopped at uh, Walgreens. Would you like to invest five dollars in Walgreens? No, yes. sir. I'd like to invest a million dollars. A million. But like, uh, but I mean, something like that. They. They just have so many other ways to integrate. If they see you theoretically, search for something, then you know you could invest in that. Theoretically speaking, what happens if a bunch of tech companies started doing that? Like, tech companies have so much data and so much info on us. What would happen to brokerages? I mean, just what would happen to the market in general if a bunch of these companies, like Apple, like Amazon, like Google, started to just offer the same products and started to compete with each other? Is that? I think it would be a race to the bottom. I mean, they would yeah. do anything they could to get your business. And I think ultimately that would benefit the, the consumer. Sure. There's no yeah. way it wouldn't. Yeah, it ends, it ends up, it's probably going to, what's probably going to happen is going to be similar to what happened in the banking industry back in what, probably the 80s and 90s when, and even into the, you know, the Great Recession even forced us more where almost everybody kind of got forced into being under either Chase's umbrella, Bank of America, or Wells Fargo for the most part, right? Uh, they just kind of kept swallowing up banks. And the same thing will probably happen in the brokerage game over time where the, the biggest ones will end up buying out the other ones. So maybe, you know, maybe Voyager never becomes a big company. Maybe they get bought out by uh, Coinbase or Robinhood. And, you know, uh, PayPal maybe acquires uh, one of these players. Maybe PayPal ends up acquiring somebody like Robinhood long term, right? Because PayPal's a beast compared to Robinhood. You know what I mean? Like that's like night and day. Um, maybe even the big banks get involved. Maybe Chase ends up buying out. Uh, you know, some of these, some of these brokerages, 
you know, just a, a bunch of consolidation. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, that's that's what ends up happening. Everybody wants to compete in this space. I don't know anybody that doesn't. Crypto, crypto brokerage, stock brokerage, everybody wants to do it. Everybody's in on it. And it's probably going to be, like Graham said, a race to the bottom. And then there's consolidation that happens. And some players can't make it. So they want to get sold out. So, yeah. Hmm. It, it, it's intriguing, though. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, and I think the reason I think the reason a lot of these companies are doing it because of the, the hefty valuations, the more you're into, especially in fintech, the more people are like, oh, man, you know, valuation because they're doing this or doing that. You know, there's so much excitement around all that. Right. And so what if you're getting that uh, premium on your valuation, you know, the CEO, you know, a big part of how a CEO is graded is the stock price at the end of the day. You know, revenues, profitability, those sorts of things are absolutely important. But at the end of the day, like the stock price is important, uh, you know, as much to a CEO as, as anybody. Because, you know, if, if a stock lags for years, the board of directors starts having some major pressure on them to get that CEO out. So, right. you That's know. why sometimes investing in tech is like, I don't know. I'm sometimes afraid of it just because it seems like it, it could just run on promises for years. Like, hey, we're getting into everything now, basically. We're just, we're doing oh, trading. We're going to oh, get into health. Oh, we're going to make you live oh, wait. forever. Oh, yeah. wait. Oh, 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 wait. Run on promises? I can tell you there's nothing even close to run on promises. Your little crypto stuff, okay? I can tell you whatever PayPal's doing, whatever PayPal's doing. Okay, I'm about to go off. We're not, no, let's just cut it there, okay? Change the subject before I start. No, no, let's, 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 let's entertain this idea. No, no, I mean, crypto, like, like half, like, no, not half of them. 90%, 95% of these cryptos doing nothing. You're, you're going to tell me at least, at least PayPal is trying to actually do something and actually will do something versus 95% of these cryptos that are just like, oh, $20 billion valuation. We deserve it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Our crypto's going to the moon. <laughs> hey, I agree with you. 90% of them are vaporware. But yeah, over 90%. Oh, probably over 90%. That is probably yeah. true. At least some of the companies in the tech bubble had like a little bit of revenue, at least, right? These cryptos. <sighs> you know, that's why I only stick to two and I don't care what other cryptos promise. And I know everybody promises the world. They're just like, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to need payments for machine to machine payment. It's like, I don't care. Just stick with like two simple things that I know are going to work and that's it. I don't care what the promises yeah. are. There's too many coins out there that, in my opinion, they, they try to solve something that was never a problem to begin with. So I still stick with like Bitcoin what? Ethereum. I don't, I see the most random uses. Just, I, I, I can't even give you examples because of just how obscure they are and they come up so often. Like this coin is meant to digitalize this and and improve the efficiency of transferring from this thing. it's like i don't know it, it just seems really just a whole bunch of buzzwords that uh that really go nowhere yeah, it's For definitely sure. a lot of marketing i mean i get hit up all the time by all these different crypto brokers or uh or coins or whatever they're like we'll sponsor you we just want a 30 second mention or whatever and i'm like nope no no crypto no crypto and the exception of like like BlockFi, I honestly should have like a Coinbase link, but yeah. I don't. But like stuff like that, whatever. But yeah. um, the individual coins, I get very nervous. Same here. Yeah. This uh, this video, by the way, is sponsored by SafeMoon. Get your safe now. That was a joke. Graham's <laughs> now going to get clipped. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's going on Twitter now. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. Oh no. Dang it. Not Exposed. Let's, let's trim that part. <laughs> That's going on millennial money clips, by the way. All right. Just, just that, like, just that. Seconds. Yeah. All right. So, what else are you guys buying this week? I bought a house. Um, not for myself, though. <laughs> oh, Kevin, no actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, you know, I walked into this fixer. It had a, a ton of uh, ton, ton of offers on it. Uh, it's in like an eight fifty to nine hundred k neighborhood. I paid seven fifteen for it. You know, I think I'm only gonna put like forty five into it. Uh, I've got uh, the labor available right now while we're waiting for some other permits. So I'm like, how'd you eh. get that offer accepted though? There are multiple offers, and it, it was worth way more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were a lot of offers. In fact, there was another, uh, well, I shouldn't say another, there was at least a head. I mean, first of all, there were a ton of home buyers that were offering more money. Uh, there was also a hedge fund apparently that was offering 707, uh, like just one of the, the, like the BlackRock types or whatever, uh, somewhere around mm -hmm. there is, is what, what I heard. I don't know, but, uh, lots of home buyers, I uh, I got it just offering cash close as soon as the seller's out. And then I got a call like, hey, the seller's getting a moving truck this weekend. Can you close, you know, Tuesday? I'm like, sure. <laughs> wow. So that was what put it over the edge. It's just you could close in a matter of days. And obviously. Yeah. And, and people know me in, in Ventura County, too. Like sure. when I write an offer and I, I remove my contingencies, it's it's gonna happen like it's done yeah. uh, i think a lot of people just get worried about the oh somebody's gonna come in with their inspector and then the termite guy's gonna find <laughs> some termite <laughs> droppings oh no rat turds too you know i don't care about any of that crap you know i like literally um i've, I've seen it all i've dealt with it all it doesn't matter to me so i'm happy that's cool wow. i actually yeah when I bought this house, I removed all the contingencies too, just because I didn't want this house to escape. I was like, I don't yeah, care. Good. I can fix it. Good for you. Don't care. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Kevin, yeah, that's smart. You're you're only two weeks away from becoming governor of California. So the big question is, are you planning on still staying in Southern California? Would you ever move up to Northern California? Or or how's that work? Well, thank you. We would move to Sacramento. So we oh. better get our renovations done. <laughs> Oh, wow. Nice. Well, so you, you have to live in the governor's uh, mansion, as they call it. Uh, no, you don't have to. But, you know, you're going to be working there every day. It's like, where do you want to have your meetings? Nobody's going to come to Ventura. <laughs> you know, how yeah. are you going to work with the the, the assembly and, and the, uh, the Senate up there? You got to be there. Yeah. It's so... Oh. And, and then, you know, I was I was uh, doing a little research on this whole governor thing the other night. And so Gavin Newsom last year, right, got got caught at uh, French Laundry, was it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. In Napa Valley, right? Right. Yep. By the way, I only know of that place because it was in a, a Drake song off Take Care. I just want to be clear about that. OK. And, and he, he referenced that. So it's got to be some hobnob place, you know, to like be referenced in a Drake song. Like, ah, he dinners at French Laundry in Napa Valley. So anyways, so he got uh, caught and what happened? What, what, why did that blow up so big? Well, essentially, while we were at the, the height of COVID lockdowns in April of last year, uh, our schools are shut down, our businesses are shut down, a third of California's restaurants are going bankrupt. He's dining with lobbyists from the tech industry getting millions of dollars of donations <laughs> 
at a restaurant. Meanwhile, one third of California's restaurants are going bankrupt and his kids are going to private school that's not shut down. And he's getting donations from Netflix to get special exemptions to let Netflix film during the pandemic and be open. But all the other small businesses in California get screwed. So, so that's been like one of the biggest scars on his, his legacy. And he's not wearing a mask. Yeah, boy, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, God forbid. Where's the mask? Wow. It's crazy. But look, I mean, I just the more we look at it, the more it's just, uh, I, I don't know, I think we talked about that. Maybe we touched on it last week, but uh, because the news just broke last week. Uh, about two months ago, news broke that Gavin Newsom overstated fire prevention by 690%. And then last week, these leaked emails came out from the Cal Fire chief that Newsom appointed. And uh, and they're like, hey, we've been getting a lot of pressure about the 690% thing. Should we remove the original promise from, from the website, right? And it's just like, this is just like politics that it's fine. It's just pure, like almost blatant corruption. I feel it's, it's just so nasty. It's dirty. I, I don't know. So I bought a house. What did you guys buy? What, what, what are y'all buying? We got, what, a minute left here. Let's wrap up with what we're buying. Crypto. I've been buying more Bitcoin, <laughs> Ethereum. Really? At the high? I, I listen. I dollar cost average. I'm not dumping oh, yeah. in. You know, I listen. I I just have a set amount that I buy every day, and I've just been keeping it. I didn't know you were dollar cost averaging, my man. Yeah, uh, no, I've been good. I've been doing that since uh, January or February of this year. Oh, good, awesome, yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, same same here. Dollar cost averaging, crypto, stock market, and of course these. <laughs> Are you guys over a million into crypto yet? No. <laughs> Oh no! Uh, almost no, but not not quite. Jeremy, I mean, your Voyager tokens going to the moon. You had a million yet? <laughs> is it? No, I don't. I, is it really? Don't don't excite me. Oh, like well, I don't know. I sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I didn't look. Dang it! <laughs> it's just yeah, I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm being hopeful oh, I meant for to you. Say ground. Penny. <laughs> a penny. Sorry, <laughs> right. when you said ground. I thought about how you gave me whole bean thirteen thirty seven coffee, and I'm like, how am I gonna get this ground? <laughs> oh, oh. We gotta mention that, Kevin. By the way, at the very end, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> no, no, no. After after Jeremy talks. Oh, maybe I don't want to talk about what I've been buying. No, honestly, I haven't really been buying anything for the past week. I went crazy. Um, I put several hundred thousand dollars into stocks the previous week, previous week, but for the past like uh, week, what in the world? Kevin, did the just, did you have to become pulled, governor? You took us out, man. He just pulled a copper field. Yeah. Whoa, that was a cool magic trick. But anyways, I haven't I haven't been buying anything to be honest. Um, you know, the past pretty much the past week. So I'm just wow. uh, I'm uh, I'm kind of watching what's going on with the chef. I'm kind of keeping track of everything, um, and I'm just I'm seeing like what happens. So. Mm. You know, you kind of you if you if you've been buying super heavy, and, and I know Graham and, and Andre, I think you guys do a more a little more disciplined buying. Like you put a certain amount in the market. I don't really do that. Like I go crazy all all you know in in a hey, very well, short Research shows that lump sum investing is the better return on your money, so you're doing it better. Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, debate. You know, you could debate both ways, right? But um, you know, when you when you invest so much in, in a couple of weeks, you kind of almost like need a breather. It's almost like running like six miles in a row. And it's like, oh, you know, let, let me take a little breather here. One, you start running out of money. But two, the main thing is like, sometimes you're like, okay, let me just chill, especially when things start going up. So, yeah. 
which uh, a lot of stocks have, have went up uh, over the past you know week or so, especially a lot of the small caps. They, they, they've made some pretty decent moves. So. It's all getting expensive again. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't say expensive. It's just, and that's the other thing that, that's a trick sometimes in the stock market, right? A lot of these stocks have been killed. You know, a lot of them are down 70, 80, 80% from 52-week highs. Now we could argue maybe they got way overvalued argument that could be made but the problem is some of them move all of a sudden up 10 percent 15 percent and now all of a sudden it feels like they're expensive when all along they might not be expensive for instance uh, a company i've been investing in recently is an honest company um and that's a company in which you know that stock's been hammered i bought a bunch of shares when it was nine something a week or two ago now it's jumped up to 10 or so and all of a sudden I stopped buying it. And then I was thinking about it a few hours ago and I was like, I need to get buying that stock again. It's $10. You know, if I think it's going to be a $20, $30 stock in a few years from now, right. buy it. You know what I mean? Like, like you don't, don't sit on your hands. So anyway, what do you see about honest? Well, uh, I got three stocks I'm buying September edition coming out after this episode's over. So you're going to have to watch that video there. But uh, anyways, honest, I mean, it's just a beaten down dog. It's trading at a price to sales ratio under three. Um, you know, it, it's very common price to sales ratios are four to six in, uh, you know, the, the, the categories they compete. And I think they're going to far outgrow any of their competitors in terms of percentage of revenue growth. So a um, lot, lot, okay. lot of just green space in front of them over the next five, 10 years, in my opinion. And, and f at its current valuation, it feels, it, feels, uh, it feels very undervalued if you have any sort of long-term uh, objective. Jeremy, I, I've, I've noticed you put a lot of premium on the price to sales ratio. You do that a lot for stocks, uh, right? Uh, forward oh. P more, but if it's an unprofitable company, the, the price to sales ratio gets more important because you can't, right. you can't, you know, you can't throw a P on it if it doesn't have profits. So, gotcha. um, okay. and that's the, that's the situation with Honest. I think they can probably eke out a small profit next year. Analysts have them taking a small loss next year. I think they'll eke out a small profit, but you know, uh, we'll, we'll see. So, yeah, I mean, analysts have this company. The consensus estimate is that it's going to have growth of roughly around 13 to 15 percent for the next like four or five years. That's not huge. Mm -hmm. Not not huge, but consistent and pretty dang solid for the categories they compete in. Right. And I also, mean, also they, could out, they could outgrow those numbers. So other, yeah. other, but it's also a pretty small market cap. So, I mean, I feel like it could move. It could move fast. Uh, the uh, interesting thing, though, is. And I want to know what your opinion is on it. Yeah, it's under a billion dollars. Uh, what do you make of like the five-year search trends on it? Because you look at like the five-year search trends, and it's yeah, uh, you know, you're you're trending down. Yeah, I I, I have seen that. That's kind of the troubling thing. Uh, but at the same time, they're getting into more and more, um, you know, retailers. Let's put it that way. Like if you go to Target. And you look at a lot of their products, they're starting to get big space with diapers, baby wipes, stuff like that. So I think it's less of an e-commerce play. Like the company used to be like all e-commerce. And I think it's becoming more of a retail play where they're in the Target stores, they're in Walmart, um, you know, and, and things like that. And maybe they can become like the number three diaper brand long term, maybe behind, you know, obviously Huggies and, and, um, and uh, Pampers. Wow. Yeah. And, and what happened at earnings? Because they kind of plummeted then. Yeah. And, and, and I saw that I was already kind of tracking the stock and then I saw it just crash. And that's when it went down to 10, $9. And that's when I jumped in. Cause I was like, you know, the earnings, I mean, I thought the stock sold off too, too hard to be honest. Um, 
you know, I think there's, I think there's still, their the company went public this year. So yeah. whenever you get these new companies to go public, and that's the danger of ever touching an IPO, uh, you know, uh, it's still looking for its long-term investor base. And that's what they're still looking for there. A lot of folks are kind of like, I don't know about this company, Jessica Alba, is she, how much is she involved still, um, you know, and things like that. So, and Jeremy, Target's your biggest position, right? Target? Not yet. Or was it Walgreens? Sorry. Walgreens. <laughs> well, Walgreens is certainly up there. I think the chef just eclipsed Walgreens. I think I have more money. Ooh. Actually, I'm almost certain I have more money in Tattoo Chef now. Jeez. And Walgreens would be number two. Mm. Wow. So, cool. Yeah. And then uh, I want to keep buying Corsair too. But, anyways, uh, oh, wh wh I want to ask you a question, Kevin, real quick here. Uh, Alibaba. Chinese stocks. Any any interest there? Or are you a little little worried? Yeah, I'm still. I get nervous. Uh, just the you have so much unknown out of China. I mean, I could have never predicted that the day after DD IPOs here, China would basically you know slap them in the face to the tune of thirty percent of their market value. You know, uh, so. That's made me very nervous. I think I have enough exposure to Chinese stocks with, uh, with Neo. But yeah, I mean, I've been watching Baba too. Uh, so it, I don't know. It's just convincing, like getting convinced to actually make the move and buy something. <laughs> Sometimes is the hardest part, you know. Yeah, a hundred percent. No, I hear you there. And uh, I heard. Uh, did you guys hear about this company Figs? Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people have been telling me about that one for a while. I'm trying to figure out if it's if it's a more of a fad. I mean, I know a lot of people that wear it uh, have a lot of positive things to say, but I'm trying to figure out if that could be, you know, commoditized and then you know just kind of like knockoff sold, and then you know a lot of doctors, nurses, and whatnot start just buying the knockoffs. So I, that's what I'm trying to figure out with that one. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, the the one thing I like about them is they've, and I don't have any money in them, but the growth that they're estimated to have is like. 50% year over year over year over year. Like the growth is insane. Uh, wow. But it's also trading more expensively than Tattooed Chef. And when something's trading more expensively than the chef and the chef is a ripoff. <laughs> Kevin? Oh, did I lose you there? Sorry. I said the chef is a ripoff. <laughs> Kevin, do you want me to vote for you for governor or not? No. You can't. <laughs> oh, dang it. That's right, stupid state lines. You'll have to move to California <laughs> first, and then you can decide to vote. Yeah. I'm going to move right next to you, Kevin, and just cook Tattoo Chef all day, open my windows, and just <laughs> fan it over, <laughs> fan it over okay. your house. How much are you putting into uh, Honest as a percentage of Tattooed Chef? Because we know that's your biggest position issue, I yeah, think you just said. Less, probably less than 10% or maybe okay. 10%. Okay. Yeah. It's a newer position you're kind of building out. Because yeah, look, I mean, the reviews for Honest are phenomenal on Amazon. They look great. So maybe you're onto something that it's a great company that's just oversold. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a long term, long term hold. They, 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 uh, you know, the millennials, they, they're in, you know, with a lot of millennial moms um, getting more popular there. And I think they're going to be onto the next generation. I think Procter and Gamble and some of those other companies, they, I don't know if they know how to speak to the next generation. Um, the way a, a new age company like Honest does. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. Graham, Andre, any last words? Yeah. You know what? We got to mention your bankroll copy, Kevin. So for anybody, <laughs> anybody who's not, not aware, we created a copy for Kevin. Well, actually, Kevin, this is your idea. Uh, coming up with 1337, which stands for elite copy. 
It's now for sale at bankrollcompy.com. All the proceeds go to Kevin's campaign. So Kevin gets all the money for this. So if you want to support Kevin and you happen to get some coffee too, bankrollcoffee.com. All you got to do is go to 1337, delete coffee, proceeds go to Kevin. And then once it's sold, it's sold. So it's just a limited edition sort of thing. Thanks, man. Plus you tried it, Kevin. What did you think? It's great. I love it. it uh, it's strong. It's an espresso blend. So you have to know that. But uh, that's uh, that's perfect for me. Strong and rich. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hide it in the mornings for those live streams, Kevin. I've been enjoying this. Bingo. Works fast. So Just so like anything me. Else? <laughs> anything else, guys? No, we're good. I'm good. Cool. All right, guys. So with that said, make sure to subscribe, hit the like button, but most importantly, subscribe. Just do it because half the people watching this do not subscribe. It's not okay. Just It's totally free to do. Helps us out tremendously. It takes you a split second. Subscribe, hit the like button. All of our information is down below in the description. Thank you guys so much for watching and until next time. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.